I got a new lesson for you tonight. <clears throat> so we discussed the last couple weeks. We discussed the last couple weeks about Jesus dying on the cross, and it was more than just getting nailed to the cross. It was the ultimate sacrifice. It was actually a fulfillment. So put your name on, uh, for sure, on the papers stapled together. You don't have to put your name on the other one if you don't want, but you'll get a copy. What, Margo? Yeah, I got a pen, but, I mean, doesn't your friend have a pen? Am I going to get this pen back? Really? Wow, you're, you're awful grouchy tonight. Well, your back hurts. Okay. So it, if your back hurts, ladies and gentlemen, you can be grouchy. All right. So we talked about how the sacrifice on Calvary, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is part of the gospel. It is the elements of the gospel. Tonight, we want to begin to talk about, we won't finish this whole thing, so don't be afraid, okay? We want to talk about the mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, okay? What was the mission? Hmm? Huh? To fulfill the law, correct. Let's look at the mission Jonathan's going to put the scriptures up here for us. The first scripture we're looking at is in John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God sent his Son into the world that the world through him might be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now, when we say God sent his son, what are we talking about? We're going to break this down tonight. Hopefully, it'll become more clear. 1 Timothy three sixteen, and it says, I'm going to read in the Amplified. You have the Amplified on your paper there. Jonathan has the authorized King James Version on the screen. It says, and great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Okay? Uh, the one thing that I like about this is in the second line there where it says, He meaning God, was made visible in human flesh. So when you saw Jesus, you saw God. Okay? Now, let's break this down even more. On your chart, in the center, you have a circle there. And below it, it says, Yahweh Yahshua. In your notes, I put down there, below that, Jehovah Jesus, okay? Yahweh is a name for God in the Old Testament. Just like Jehovah is a name for God in the Old Testament. When God would do something, the Jews would attach what God did to his name. For instance, in Genesis, there was a time when Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac you remember that story? <clears throat> okay. And so what happened was, while Abraham and Isaac were going up one side of the hill, and Abraham was getting ready to plunge a, a knife through the chest and the heart of his son Isaac, on the other side of the hill was a ram coming up. And before Abraham could sacrifice Isaac, God provided a sacrifice so Isaac could live. Therefore, Abraham called him now Jehovah-Jireh, our provider. Okay? When the Jews needed healing, he became Jehovah-Rohi. Rohi. Rohi. 
R-O-H-I, Rohi. He's a God of our peace. He was Jehovah Shalom. He was our banner, our covering, Jehovah Nisi. Okay? So Yahweh in the Old Testament is Yahshua. You ever heard that name? If you've ever watched Sid Roth, you've heard Yahshua. Yahshua is Hebrew for Jesus. Okay? So down below that, I put Jehovah and I put Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah the Savior. Okay? God has done many things and been one God. He's like me. He's like you. Especially you moms. You moms multitask. Right? You moms can do more things than us guys can ever do. You multitask. God has done many things, but it's all him. Okay, so let's go on here. Let's look at it. Let's look at Father. God is our Father. He was Father in creation. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, is in the Amplified on your, <coughs> excuse me, your notes. Malachi 2.10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then do we deal faithlessly and treacherously against his brother, each against his brother, profaning the covenant of God with our fathers? So he said we, have, we got one father and we have one God who created us. Now, son, let's look at the son. The son came in redemption. The father was in creation, that eternal spirit of God. Now the son comes for redemption, Galatians 4, 4. But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law. What, why did he come? Verse 5. To purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law. Who was subject to the law? Us. We were subject to the law. So God came, born of a woman, the Son, to redeem us that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And then the last one is Holy Spirit in recreation. Okay? Recreation. John chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39 Jesus is talking here, and this is amplified. He who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the Scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed, who trusted and had faith in him, were afterward to receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified, raised to honor. So we have the Father is in creation. There's that spirit hovering over the waters in Genesis. Then the Father enters into a body. Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, in order to have redemption because the Spirit has no blood in it, right? We've already established that a gazillion years ago here. So he had to have a body, body. That's for you, Marcus. He had to have a body in order to shed his blood. And then that Spirit in that body would raise that body up 
the disciples would receive on the day of Pentecost to regenerate, to recreate them and make them brand new. All right, so that's what we're talking about. So we are looking here at God who has left his eternal state of glory, the God who fills all in all. The Bible says that the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. Isn't that what it says? One place it says that the, the earth is the Lord's, or the, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is his footstool. Anybody got a footstool at home? How about, you know, when you go, when you have a hard day and you go home, if you just take your shoes off, does it feel good just to take your shoes off? I, I used to say, I kind of feel like I'm two weeks in Maui just if I took my shoes off. You know, it's like, wow. So God puts his feet on a footstool, and if the closest thing to the earth is the moon, if God sits on the moon, the moon is approximately 300,000 miles from the earth. So that would mean that from the bend of God's knee to the bottom of his foot is 300,000 miles. Yet the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him, yet he became the size of a head of a pin at conception when he entered, that spirit entered into that body that he created in Mary. Wow, that's good. That's pretty awesome. So we want to look at the mission tonight. Let's start looking at the mission. Let's go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament starts out on your chart, left-hand side. There's that red line again. We're going to follow that red line for the next couple hours. The Old Testament, the Father, an invisible, omnipresent spirit, related to angels and men through a spirit image. Okay? God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We're going to read that in a minute. That's John 4, 24. Now, that spirit of God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's omnipotent, which means he has all power. And he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. Have you guys been working on using the Lord to be your personal reminder of things yet? Anybody doing that? I mean, working out pretty good. I got a text of, of a prayer need late the other night. Brother Larry's mom. Everybody got that text, right? Brother Larry's mom. Well, he sent it to me about 10, 30, or 11 at night. He should know that's too late for me. My Lord, I think I went to bed about 2 that morning. So I just said, Lord, would you remind me in the morning when I wake up to send that? Sure enough, when I woke up about 7.30 in the morning, the first thing that came to my mind was, don't forget Larry's prayer request. Thank you, Lord. That's our goal. That's your goal is to walk like that with the Lord. It's your goal to walk deeper than that with the Lord, closer than that with the Lord. You can do this thing. Amen. So, this invisible, omnipresent spirit is related to angels and men. We have a spark of divinity, a piece of God inside of us. That's what brought us to life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. This is an awesome scripture. I love this scripture. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can any man hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. So this spirit is filling heaven and earth. This spirit is all around us. Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale. And, you, and have you read about his description? He described being in the belly of the whale. He called this is the belly of hell. Can you imagine how it really was? How many of you do not like that fish smell? Can you imagine being inside of one of them? Well, how about that? He's probably got seaweed wrapped around him. 
he probably, you know, maybe he one time the fish ate something and ate a couple of license plates. And the license plates whacked him on the, in the head and they went down through the digestive canal. He's got all these other fish swimming by him, whatever that fish was eating. So Jonah says, but if I make my bed in hell, he said, where am I going to go? If I, Lord, I'm in the belly of this whale here, this fish, and you're still here. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. If I go to the heights of the heavens, you're there. God's everywhere. You can't get away from him. He's everywhere. If you sin and you don't think God saw you, sorry. He saw us. He saw you. He sees you in the secret places. The real person that each of us really are is not the person that everybody sees out in the lights. It's the person that we are when we're all by ourselves. That's the real person that we are. So if you're a scallywag when you're all by yourself, you're just fooling everybody else for a while but you're not fooling God. So we are looking at his mission that this eternal God that fills all in all, that is everywhere, all power, all knowing, has got to come to bring redemption to us. Jer- or, or 1 Kings 22, bottom of page 2, verse 19. And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. Jeremiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all that were with him was standing on his right hand and on his left. That's where I want to be. I want to be standing with the Lord. I've been praying the last couple months, Lord, I don't want to miss out on whatever you're doing in this last hour. I want to make sure I'm in on this. I want to make sure I'm in right. I mean, there's no reason to go 40 years and then miss out on it at the end. You know, and it's not like I don't, I'm not planning on backsliding or anything. What I'm saying is, Lord, I want to be in on the action. I want to make sure I'm, I'm uh, what's the word I'm looking for, productive for the kingdom, profitable for the kingdom. I want to, I want to do that. That's why I clean my office. Do you know that I almost have it whipped? It's powerful. I almost have it whipped. So now it's all in there. Has anybody seen my office lately? Isn't it nice, Amber? So nice. Yesterday I was in there working and I got real tired. Man, I looked over at that love seat. And I looked at the light switch and I thought, you know what? I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. On the computer, I thought, I leave Rush on. I'll go over there and shut that light off, and I'll go rest for 20 minutes on that love seat. I'm sure Amber has walked in my office, and my feet have been propped up on my desk, and my chair leaning back, and I'd be snoring. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. (laughs) I deserve a break. Yes, everybody deserves a break. But you know what I'm looking for? I've got that office set up. Here's, you know, I want to be productive. I got the office set up for this reason, okay? So on one side of the office, I got all the chairs now. So we can go in there, and it can be one, two, three, four, five. There can be six or seven of us in that office. So when new people come, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, would somebody take the guests to my office? And then at, at the end of service, I'm going to run and meet them personally. How about that? I was talking to Johnny Ty about maybe a new hairstyle tonight. And I said, he said, well, maybe he mentioned color. And I said, well, I said, I've been seeing some fantastic greens and pinks and purples. And he just looked at me and said, ah. I said, maybe we better go with neutrals. Like, Blonde and gray. Maybe some highlights. Highlighted. I get some highlights. So I want to. I want to meet people. I'd like to start new new believers, new faith classes. I'm finding some curriculum that would be about 24 weeks, 
six weeks in each module, talking from faith and Godhead and baptism and salvation to, to all kinds of stuff. And everybody going through that. Where? In my office. I'm trying to beautify things around here. Anybody notice the potholes? Isn't that nice? Now, so what I complimented myself today when I drove in on that. I said this, Tracy, why didn't you think of that 12 years ago? You know, just at least get the potholes done. Well, guess what? We're going to do the rest of the parking lot before it's all over with. Amen. We're going to get shrubs out here. Amen, new ones. Things are going to happen. Why? I want to be productive. I want to be ready. I want to be ready that when this place is full, I'm not scared of all the people in here. I'm not scared to speak to a crowd of 200 people or 250 people. When they're hanging out the door, I want to make sure they can hear. We want to make sure that we're productive. So we want to be productive for the kingdom. Amen? So let's look at the top of page 3. The Father's plan of creation, what did he use to create with? What did he use? His word. That's why we have to be careful what we say. That's why all of us have to be careful what words we use. Okay? We have to be careful what words we use and what words we say. Words carry power. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now that word moved comes from the Hebrew word, which means he hovered, he brooded. You ever seen a, a, a mother hen? And she has baby chicks. And she kind of puts her wings out. And she kind of hovers over them. That's the word brood. She brooded over them. God brooded. He hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And then the verse 3 says this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God uses words. God uses words. That's why the devil wants to mess up our words and our speech. Psalm 33, 6 by thy word, O Lord, were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 148, 4 and 5. Praise him, ye heavens, O ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He commanded, and they were created. Not only do I want God to remind me and walk in a position where he reminds me of stuff, but I want to be in the place where I can speak and it happens. I want to be in a place where I can command and it happens. We learned about Elijah a few weeks ago. What did he tell the king? It will not rain until I say it rains. This place is shut down according to my word. Are we that way in our lives yet? Do we have our spirits under control that we can say, this is not going to happen? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What are you talking about? I'm talking about God's plan for cre of creation is His Word. Keep that in mind, His Word. John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without, any, without him was not anything made that was made. Okay? Now, those of you who are taking notes, circle one of the word words there in verse number one. 
Okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, that word, word, I hate to say it like that, that English word there, that English word for word, the Greek is logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. Okay? That word means thought or intent. Thought or intent. Logos. We won't cover it on this one. We covered it during a sermon or sometime just a few weeks ago somewhere. And the other word for word, there's two Greek words that translate to English word in the scriptures. One is logos. The other is rhema. You ever heard of rhema? R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Rhema is a spiritual command. Okay? Logos is the thought, the intent. Rhema is a command. Here, we're talking about the thought. So, it could read like this, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the thought was God. Okay? Now, this scripture, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know, maybe it's on here, maybe it's not. Uh, la, 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 da, 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 let me see, let me see, yes, yes, okay, so we'll hit that in a minute. So, in the beginning was the thought, or the intent, in the beginning was the intent of God, and the intent was with God, and the intent was God, okay? That's going to be get fun here in just a minute. So, let's look at 2 Timothy 1.9, bottom of page 3. It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was in his plan long before the world began. It was God's plan for all of us to be saved, to show his love and kindness to us through Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not saved at the end of all this, that's your fault. That's my fault. That's our fault. Yeah? Because he wants everybody everywhere to be saved. Okay. Revelation. Go to the scary book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7. Well, I'll just have verse 8 there. Okay. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life, which belongs to the Lamb who was killed before the world was made. Then Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 4 says this, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his lives. That word holy, if you want to circle that, holy means separated. To separate. Holy. Holy unto the Lord. Separated to the Lord. That's what we're trying to be in this present world is separated from the world so we're holy. Because when God looks down, He wants us to look different than the rest of the world. He wants us to talk different than the rest of the world. Act different than the rest of the world. Okay. Now, we're going into the second thing here where it says His Word. Everybody say His Word became flesh, the Son of God, also known the Son of Man. Galatians 4.4, we've already read it before. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. We know that, right? God needed a body. John 1.14, now here's where we're back, John chapter 1. Remember, in the beginning was the thought... And the thought was with God, and the thought was God. Remember that? Look at verse 14 of John 1. And the Word was made flesh. So let's put that in different English. And the thought was made flesh. And the intent was made flesh. 
What are we talking about there, Calvary? The thought of God from the beginning was, I will dwell in a body, I will die, and shed my blood for the sins of man. That was his thought. So the thought became flesh. You like that? Anybody like that? Nobody liked that. I didn't hear one utterance. I'm in Family Worship Center Library. It's quiet. Shh. Luke 135. I heard that, Macy. <laughs> and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Question. Who was the father of Jesus? Don't answer out loud. It's just pondered in your mind. Well, people would say, well, the Father was. But the Bible says, Luke 1.35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. The Holy Ghost is the Father of Jesus. And the Father is the Father of Jesus because they're all the same. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So the Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, is the same Spirit that hovered over Mary in Luke 1. The same Spirit, and we'll see this, the same Spirit that hovered over the waters and filled all the void of space and time in Eden and prior to Eden is the same spirit that flooded the upper room and baptized all of the believers on the day of Pentecost because the Father is the Holy Ghost and the Father Holy Ghost had to have a body to live in, to die in. Look at your neighbor and tell him, how about that? How about that? Yeah, there is somebody living out there. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. There, there's Jehovah's salvation right there, Jesus. For he shall what? Save. Salvation save. He shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet by, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, this next scripture is not on the chart, but I threw it in there to bless you. I went to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is the prophecy of what they were talking about in Matthew. Isaiah 7, 14. 700 years before Jesus was born, it said this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, why? Here's your note if you want to take a note. Why the virgin birth? Why the virgin birth? Why couldn't any baby do this? Well, it had to be a virgin birth. It had to be a supernatural situation because, number one, you have to have a spotless sacrifice. You have to have a blameless, sinless sacrifice. Because if I have sin in my life, how am I going to get rid of the sin in your life if I can't get rid of the sin in my life. If I'm having trouble with my diet, how am I going to help you get skinny? And, I, and just for those of you who are wondering about my situation, I found out it's called Golo, 
It's a commercial called Go Low. It's about the insulin resistant thing, right? I showed that to Amy the other night. She said, well, why don't you go do it then? I said, well, I'm studying it. You know, I'm kind of just looking at it right now. But, I mean, they got pictures on there, and they got men holding their pants clear out here. You know, like 14 people could get in that pair of pants. And they claim that that was theirs at one time. I don't know. I can't verify. But it looks promising. Right? It looks very promising. So, golo.com. There you go. If anybody wants to try it and lose 60 pounds, I will encourage you. Okay. Now, so if I can't do my diet, how am I going to help you do yours? Therefore, there couldn't be a man like us, a human being, that could produce a spotless, sinless sacrifice or blood sample. Because the blood comes from who? The Father. Yes? At conception, the blood comes from the Father. So who was the Father of Jesus? The Holy Ghost. God. So he did not have human blood that had been contaminated from the garden in him. For his blood was not just blood. Right? Of another spotless lamb, but his blood was precious blood. For it washed the sins of man, and his blood, it heals my body. Y'all don't know that, do you? Anybody know that? Huh? You know that one, Caitlin? You do? Who sang that? Lanny Wolf. Right. Now, so that's why there was a virgin birth. Because God had to have pure blood. No blood contaminated by sin. No blood contaminated with disease. No blood contaminated by this world. No blood contaminated by the God of this world. That's why there had to be a virgin birth. Amen? Is that all right? Okay, there you go. The Son, to redeem from sin, the Son came to redeem from sin and be our example. Luke, Luke, I'm going to have you out here at 8.30. You guys are going to go low. I looked at it. I mean, I saw that insulin-resistant thing. I backed the TV up and watched it several times. It gave me hope. But then I thought, you know, we're coming into the holidays. You don't want to lose everything and then put it back on during the holidays. Probably just better off waiting until 2021, isn't it? You think so, Kirsten? Just better doing that, isn't it? Yep. Hallelujah. Just better waiting. Luke 4.18. So the Son came to redeem us from sin, and he was our example. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, I did not put that one in there, but that is when Jesus was talking in the synagogue that day. At the beginning of his ministry. He is quoting from the book of Isaiah. I believe... Uh, somebody find that for me. I think it's Isaiah chapter 60 or 61. Can somebody find that real fast for our notes? When you got it, just yell it out. Slightly yell it. So he came to die for us, and he came to be our example. He also came as our example, not only to be baptized, right? He got baptized by John. But he also, the Bible says... Um, He was tempted every way like we're tempted, yet he didn't sin. Okay? He didn't sin. What does that show us? That shows shows us if we want to, we can get get through this without sinning a whole lot. Anybody ever been tempted? Not one person in this church ever been tempted. Oh, that's awesome. I have. Okay? I've been tempted. Now, there have been times that I have been tempted and I didn't yield to the temptation. I felt. Felt like Charles Atlas. Me, Clark, and Susan is the only one who knows about Charles Atlas. 
Anybody else in here about Charlie Atlas? Sylvia would. Charles Atlas. Remember Charles Atlas? Yeah. Felt like Charles Atlas. Felt Okay, kids. Felt like the Hulk. The Avengers. Anybody find Isaiah? But she's looking for it, Johnny. Oh. I saw Susan over there punching in keys, and you said, yep, we'll find it. And then you didn't, you didn't pick up your phone. Oh, my Lord. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something else. Who? 61.1. Okay, so you can connect Luke 4.19 with Isaiah 61.1. I should have put that in there for you. I'm sorry. So, those, so Jesus is quoting Isaiah. That was his mission. That was his mission statement. That was what Jesus came to do. And, uh, you know, me and Johnny's getting ready to go to Litchfield to the Chinese restaurant, too. We're fixing to eat some Chinese and see who can handle it and who can't. We're going we're gonna to go low there, too. We're going to need to go low after we get done in Litchfield. So there have been times that I have been tempted to sin, and I did it. I yielded to the temptation. You know why? Because I wanted to. Now, I know none of you have ever felt like that. That's why it's hard for me to pastor you sometimes. I don't know about you, but there are temptations that come to me that if I just yield to it and let it go, it'd feel good. Don't bring nothing up, Kevin. You, I saw your finger there. Just, just leave it. All right, just bring it. Leave it under the blood. You know what I'm saying, though? Can I get a witness? Has anybody else done that? You have yielded to the temptation because we wanted to. Obviously not. Okay. Well, I did. Now, there were times when I was spiritual, and I fought it off, and I fought it off, and then I got tripped up at the end. Okay, I'll admit to that. Then there was also times when I didn't have my flesh under control that I just let the temptation do its thing. And then I felt like a pile of ashes when it was all said and done. I felt like trash. I felt like white trash. Okay? Trash. So what did the Lord do? He came. He did not sin to prove to us that if we don't want to, we don't have to because that law is broken in our lives now. Amen? Okay. John fourteen twelve, page 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. And 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22, I don't see 22 there, 21. This suffering is all part of what God has called you to. If you're suffering, if you're, if you're struggling, if you're fighting, Peter said, this is all part of what God has called us to. Because Christ, who suffered for you, is your example, follow in his steps. And so there we are. We are to follow in the Lord's steps. So the works that I do shall you do also. So he overcame sin, we can overcome sin. He overcame temptations, we can overcome temptations. He healed people, we can heal people. We can heal people. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not going you can't heal nobody. You can pray for people and God can heal them. If you don't believe that, we're going to have to go back through lesson one again. Why? That's a sign of a believer. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? So he called us to do these things. He brought us out of darkness, broke the law, so we were not a slave to the law anymore, and now we can walk in new life. We can walk recreated. We can walk renewed. We can walk in a different way. You can walk different. You can talk different. You can live different. You don't have to live like you lived a long time ago. You don't have to live like you lived six weeks ago. And this thing, 
This thing is not just a one-time experience, and then after that, it's, it's over, you know? People get married, and they're all in love when they get married. Well, they're not really in love. They don't realize it, but they're not really in love. It's more of a lust-heat situation. I like it when I talk to couples that are going to get married, and the first thing I tell them is, first of all, I want you to realize something. You're really not in love yet. And they look at you like you had just fallen out of a tree. Edison has this toy that says maybe you could be a purple monkey in a bubblegum tree. I have tried to picture that for months. I have tried to picture purple monkeys in a bubblegum tree. And so when I look at a couple that's going to get married, I say, I just want to tell you that you're not in love yet. You're not in love until he does something or she does something that you don't agree with or don't want to put up with and don't like, and instead of leaving, you stay. That's good. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I've been 33 years in this thing. God designed, that's over half my life. I've been half my life with the same woman. Wow. Did you ever hear of a guy named R.W. Shambach? Hey, this is way back in the late 80s. They asked him, they said, Brother Shambach, what is the secret to your success in ministry? He said, first of all, I've had the same wife for 37 years. So let's start right there. Yeah. You grow in love. Love is a commitment. Like I said, love is you stay when you really want to leave. Love is, you know what love is? And we read about love in the, in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We read about love. Love is tough. Love's not jealous. One, one place in the New Living Translation, it says, love does not keep score. See, you thought she's going to get out of here and get to Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen's closed for the season, okay? You're going to have to go to McDonald's, get you a nasty McFlurry, or go to Wendy's and get you a Junior Frosty, chocolate or vanilla Junior Frosty. See, there, there's the Golo. That's when I need the Golo right there because I'm thinking about the Frosties. Love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't try to retaliate. Love isn't jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Come on, Kevin, help me. What else? Love is kind, patient. Love keeps no record. That's what love is. That's what love is, man. And there's no way you can get all that just dating for a few months or a year or so. You got to live with them for a long time. I like it when my wife looks at me and she says, she's talking and she says, you haven't heard anything I've said. And then somehow there are times when truth that's true. Sometimes she catches me. There's other times when I just puke right back at her exactly what she'd said. But then I really love it when I talk to her and she's not listening to me. And then I say, and you're not listening to me. Hallelujah. And we just go on. In fact, we had a fight. We had a texting little skirmish today. There's a charge on the credit card. And I said, it's been on there monthly. And I'm like, what is this? What in the, where is this? Oh, I did that and I don't want it. And I said, well, you're going to have to get rid of it. I don't know how to do it. I mean, you made the deal. Okay. So I pull up the statement today, and it's still there. And I'm like, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. We just got all this money. We're just going to waste it. By the way, if you got any money you want to waste, just send it to me. Okay? Don't send it to some joint on a credit card. Just send it to me. So I texted her. And she, when my text ran together, my words ran together, and she said, don't use those kinds of words, those, that person's words on me. And I looked back at my text, and it was because my fat thumbs were so fast that it put all these words together. And in love, in love, I just simply texted back, I could use Eddie's word, which is my dad. I don't know how to get it off. I've emailed, can't get it off. And guess what? She's at the house. Yes, she's sick, but guess what? I'm going back to the house tonight. And we forgot all about it. That's love. You just work through it. Amen. You just stay there. You stay. It's love and love. That's what the Lord's setting up in, in us. You know, the Lord wants to come into our lives and stay in our lives. He wants to come into our lives and be there forever. He wants to not just be there. He wants to be an operation in our lives. How about that? He wants to be an operation in our lives that he can see the fruit coming in our lives from his influence in our lives every day. Amen. Okay, look at this on page 5 in the middle. So we have the birth that leads to the crucifixion that leads to the ascension. That is the mission in a breakdown. And that's where we're stopping tonight. So make sure you put your name on the paper if you were taking notes on it. You don't have to put your name on your chart if you don't want to because everybody get one of those too. But, and then Brother John and Brother Kevin will come by and collect those. I hope that you're getting something out of this. I hope you're learning something. Margo, you learning anything? Oh, boy. Okay. She was the wrong person. It's a good thing that I have strong self-esteem because Margot would really make me feel low. Oh. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you for being here tonight. Once again, keep praying for Frankie. I just saw a text come through from Frankie while I was up here. And it says, he said, they sent me home with antibiotics he has an appointment with Dr. Blazer uh, on Monday to discuss the surgery. He said he loves each of us very much, and thank you all for praying. There you go. Okay. So keep Frankie in your prayers. He is home then. All right. Pray for Brother Art that he gets home on Friday. We pray Brother Art gets home on Friday. Saturday night church. Not church. I guess we could have church. We have prayer. Saturday night, 8 to 9. Amen. Let's, let's, our last prayer meeting, let's bust the doors out. Let's bring her down. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for everyone that's here. Keep your hand on them as they go home. Bless their homes. Bless their lives with your peace. Let your peace rest upon their homes and on their lives, for they are worthy. I thank you, God, for the calling that you put in all of our lives. Thank you for bringing us into the kingdom. We just give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name.